Hey guys, how's it going? Juwan Glenn here, lead pastor of Antioch, Detroit. And I'm just so thankful and so glad to be here today. Uh, Antioch, Dallas is one of the coolest churches uh, in the country. And that's just a, a personal thing of mine. What you guys do in Dallas is phenomenal. You preach the word, you don't hold any punches. Uh, just the work that you guys are doing there in the worship. Oh, I know you're not supposed to like pick any favorites or anything like that, but I just love the way you guys, as a as a worship leader, I'm just so um, blessed by what you guys do there every Sunday. And I'm really glad to be a part of it. And I hope, um, yeah, that's something you shared that would truly be a blessing for you. So before I dive into uh, the lesson today, First thing, I just want to just kind of share a little bit about myself, kind of flesh me out so I'm not some ghostly figure but or, or some stranger, but that you would know uh, just a little bit more about who I am and kind of invite you into what season of life uh, uh, as a church we're in and what season of life I'm in. So uh, before I, I jump off, I must say I am a happily married man to an absolutely amazing and, and beautiful person, and her name is Jessica. <clears throat> We've been married for two years now. And uh, for some people who've been married longer, you're like two years, oh, you guys are just, you know. But really, it's it's really just been an amazing place of growth. And it's just been such a blessing that God has brought her into my life. So I'm very thankful for her, uh, even just as we've been in ministry now for uh, a little bit uh, over nine months, um, our church plant here in Detroit, uh, Antioch, Detroit. And she's been with me every step of the way um, and really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And I just, I couldn't do this without her uh, and without God's grace. So I'm so thankful for you, honey. And yeah, uh, secondly, I'm a father now. I have a newborn, well, it's not a newborn, but he's eight months old. His name is, is Micah, and he's the, uh, the coolest kid ever. And I'm just so grateful and thankful that I get the opportunity to uh, be a father and really experience as a father, as a husband, the things that God is doing in Detroit. And regardless of what the media, regardless of what the news says, God is doing amazing things in Detroit. And we get the opportunity as a church, as a family to see it every single day. So just continually pray for us as a ministry, continually pray for this city that we see breakthrough, that we see redemption, but, but most importantly, that the gospel is preached to every corner of um, our community. So yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, again, I'm very honored to have the opportunity to speak to you this Sunday, and I hope, again, you are blessed, but most importantly, I hope that something is said through God's Word that would radically transform your life. It's no surprise uh, that in our nation, uh, it is a, we are in a very volatile state right now, and we have experienced some major blows as Americans in recent months from coronavirus to unemployment, and, and really the main talk now is uh, the racial um, division that's happening in our country. And it's in moments like these where emotions can run high, especially with everything being uh, horribly politically charged. Not that politics are bad, but it's a situation where I think many people have made politics like God, right? It's 
Uh, and everybody, all of a sudden, overnight, after what happened in Minneapolis, right, had become political and, and social justice experts overnight. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I thought I took a class, you know, at my community college, but apparently everybody's got it figured out. Everybody knows the answers. But again, emotions are running high. And, 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 and in these situations, we can be tempted to respond in a way that does not show the love of Christ. For many of us, this is not just a, uh, a time of, of disappointment, but, but because everything in this country is kind of being flipped upside down, for many of us, one of the greatest emotions we are experiencing is anger. Yeah, and it's in these moments that we must be aware of not only how we should respond, but how we respond in our darkest moments uh, will carry some of the greatest consequences for our lives, the way we respond. And I don't know if I said this earlier or not, but yeah, the title of this lesson here is Responding in Difficult Situations. I think that there is a way that God wants us to respond. Uh, and I, and I, I think that in our response, not think, I know that in our response, God is trying to bring us into a place that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation or how bad or how good it is, that we would give him the glory he deserves in the midst of it. Uh, as we go to Numbers chapter 20, we're going to get an opportunity to uh, um, gain some wisdom from the way Moses respond and, and really see this as a lesson in many ways of, of how not to respond when the pressures of life and the pain is at their highest. Um, so let's go ahead and just dive in and, and see what, what, what happened here with Moses in Numbers chapter 20. So I'm going to go from Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 through 12. And I don't know who the person in Dallas is who does the scriptures. I am so sorry for picking 12 scriptures. I, I, I know you guys are like, oh, God, this guy is not going to just pick one scripture. I'm sorry. I know I picked 12. I'm going to try my best to read through them as fast as possible. God bless all the people who do the tech and Antioch Dallas. You are the best. Okay. Okay, so the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Verse 2, now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, figs, or uh, uh, grape leaves, or pomegranates, and most of all, there's no water here. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent uh, of, of, of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Verse nine. And so Moses, uh, um, took his staff from the Lord's presence just as commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, struck the rock twice with his staff, water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. 
here's the part that um, is uh, very disheartening what happens after this. In verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Wow, a lot's happened here. And before I go any further into the way Moses responded in this moment of anger, this kind of outburst and, and this decision that he made not to really give God the glory that he deserved for performing a miracle. I know we read these stories and kind of go, yeah, and water came out the rock and we kind of move forward. But I think it's important just to kind of take a moment and say, wait a minute, water came out of a rock that was enough water to feed, I'm sorry, to, to uh, 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 replenish thousands and thousands and thousands of people and their livestock. Like this is an amazing miracle. And to try to strip the glory from that or even place it upon yourself, like what we see Moses doing here, is a, is, is a very egregious thing to do. But before we go there, Let's go back to verse one, and, and, and I think it kind of gives us a little idea of where Moses' head is at right now. It says, the children of Israel arriving in Kadesh, and Moses' sister had just died. Miriam was died, and she was buried in this desert. I'm trying to put myself in, in Moses' head. Uh, he wasn't even able to bury his sister in the promised land or, or in the place that was meaningful to his people. He had to bury his sister out in this desert. He's in a place of mourning right now. He's in a very, I would say, dark place, if you will, uh, that his, 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 his sister has, has just died. And, and right as he's in the midst of dealing with the loss of a loved one, and many of you here have, have lost loved ones, you, you know how it is. You just don't get over it in a day or in a week or in a month. No, it takes time. And he doesn't really even have time to mourn his sister's death, that the people come to him complaining and saying, essentially, you're a horrible leader. And as a pastor, that would probably be, be the, the worst sentence I could ever hear that, that I'm a horrible leader or, or that, um, you know, yeah, you're a horrible leader and, the, and, and your guidance has led us here to die. That's essentially what they had told him. And really their issue wasn't with Moses, right? Their issue was with God. But when you're in leadership, and even if you're a believer, if even if you don't have a title or you know, deacon, or I don't know what, you know, you guys would refer to yourselves, but, but deacon or pastor or bishop or whatever you want to title, you want to give just as being a follower of Christ, you are a leader. And many times when people can't fight God, they'll fight you. You become the punching bag in leadership, even in a business way, the, the blunt of uh, what happens usually falls on those who are in uh, management. They have to deal with the mess when everyone else calls off of work. They have to handle that. But, but in this particular case, they're really mad at God and they're taking it out on Moses. And Moses is dealing with all this pain with the loss of his sister. And Moses uh, goes to receive instruction from the Lord. First thing he does is he goes and he lays face down. This is extremely important, uh, and I, I, I would say him doing this was a wise move. A lot of us, we make decisions, we make choices, and we don't even take the time 
to go and to seek God, to see, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to respond in this way? And Moses being the kind of man that he was, he immediately knew we have a problem. Before I go bring any advisors or do anything of that nature, I need to go to God first. So I think this is a good thing here. This is a good thing that we can glean from and learn from that when there are accusers against us, when we have coworkers that we have a problem with, supervisors, whether it even be things in government uh, or legislation, and it seems like just like the world or that people are against us or that our enemies are surrounding us and, and, and we need to take action. Or when it appears that we are in a situation where we need a miracle, which is the water coming out of the rock. That's a pretty awesome miracle, especially the amount of water. We should seek God first. And I love how it says that he laid face down. It's, it's this prostrate, submitted, saying, I, I can't do this, God. Only you can do this. But, but something happens in verse 10 from him receiving the instruction to the point of him actually carrying it out. And he, he goes to this rock. And remember, God tells him, to speak to the rock for many people who aren't aware, and I won't go too much into the typology here, but we look at the New Testament and it's made clear that this rock was actually a representation of, of Christ and, and the rock was already struck once, right? Kind of like how Jesus died for us once uh, and, and, and that death was sufficient for all. We kind of see that same thing here uh, where, where the rock was already struck once before to bring forth water. And now God is telling Moses, I don't want you to strike the rock. I don't want you to, if you will, this is typology here, crucify it afresh. No, no, no. I want you to speak to the rock. This is very similar to the way that we communicate to Christ now. Uh, we, we, we talk to him. We, we, we ask him. There's a relationship now that we have with the rock that is Jesus. And instead of uh, Moses doing this, he is, his, his anger is, has, has been brewing up. He's, he's in a process of, of, of mourning and dealing with the pain of, of, uh, and, and, and the anxiety and worry of dealing with these people who, can, who have been complaining for years, thousands of complaints. I mean, this is like the worst HR experience ever. And Moses has been dealing with it for years. He's not a young man. He's an older guy. And just it was just brewing up with him. And actually, when you look at the history of Moses, we kind of see that he's had some spurts of anger. I know many of us look at this situation as a heroic thing when Moses uh, uh, fought against the e Egyptian taskmaster who was beating uh, the Jewish slave. But no, actually, Moses had the authority at that moment to tell him, no, stop. You know, he could have broken this up, but instead he goes after this guy and he kills him. He murders him, which kind of brings more validity to the fact that when he comes back to these same people, they go, you're a murderer. You would think they would go, hey, you're the hero. You, you saved that guy from being beat. No, they go, you're a murderer. So he's had to deal with anger, even from grabbing the tablets that were given to him by the hand of God. And he sees what the people are doing. He takes the tablets and he smashes them. And I know my theological kind of you know astute friends will go, well, he did that because if he didn't, the judgment would have consumed everybody. Sure, whatever the case may be, out of anger, he takes these tablets and smashes them and has to repeat the process again. Moses, even though he was a man who was meek, had some anger things. And it makes me wonder that when he went before the face of God, 
if it wouldn't have been imperative for him to say, Lord, uh, thank you, uh, and I need you to deal with my heart before I go before these people. Deal with my heart, God. I know I have a problem that needs to be fixed. We need water. Uh, there needs to be food. But before we even get Lord, deal with my heart. So that as a representative, as an ambassador of Christ, I don't do something as an ambassador of God, if you will. I don't do something that would cause me to be put in the place of you. Right. It's in these high pressure situations that we experience in the country right now. Again, everything's politically charged. Uh, people are losing their jobs. Again, uh, the racial tension is bubbling up to uh, a place where you can't even turn on the news. You can't watch anything without it being directly in your face. And, and please hear me out. I, I don't want uh, what I'm saying to be assumed that I don't care about social issues. Um, or that I don't care about seeing change and improvement and accountability in our government. I think the thing is that I don't feel that when I see the scriptures that God is uh, wanting us to respond or, or act in a way where anger is leading and guiding and directing these pursuits. But we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by God's word in the way that we pursue change and righteousness. Because if we don't bring God or excuse me, if we don't keep God in the conversation, what will tend to happen is we will rely on the wisdom of man and the wisdom of man. The Bible says, like, you know, everybody thinks they're right in their own eyes. Everyone thinks that what they're doing, their way is right. But ultimately, these things lead to destruction. If I make God a third will in my pursuit for justice and my in my pursuit for change if, if I put God in the back seat and I take the steering wheel because I don't want God to bring in redemption and forgiveness and all this hugging and love and I go no 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 it's not time for that it's time I'm angry I want to see change I, I, I there's a problem that needs to be knocked down and God I don't want you to try to influence me to do this any differently when we leave God out of it there's no good fruit that that can come from it. And what we see here is that in, in, in these high pressure moments, the things that are in this, those ugly things that we think we've, we've, we've gotten over, the things that we thought we gave over to God, they begin to bubble to the surface when the pressure is on. Just a little side note too. Um, because tensions are really running so high in this country, I, I've seen a lot of things that have happened uh, online. I'm, I'm in charge of the social media at my my church, and I'm, and I'm trying to brag about that. It's it's okay, but I'm on social media a lot, and I've seen a lot of people um, um, in the body and outside of the body saying some very hurtful and very aggressive things. It's almost like once we get behind the keyboard, we kind of feel like we can really say whatever we want to say, however we want to say it. And, and I think I've been guilty of a few Facebook debates myself, uh, but I, I, there's, there's consequences. There's, there's consequences in the way that we respond in the way that we do things. Again, I, I'm, a, I'm accountable 
to Christ and, and I represent him. Being a Christian is a 24 hour job. We don't get any breaks. There's no 30 minute breaks. There's no two 10 minute breaks or anything like that. 24 seven, the eyes are on us because people can't see God. They see his representatives most often, which is us. And based on how we respond is the way people will interpret who God is and what his character is by the way our character is. And I've just seen people online saying just absolutely horrendous, awful, hurtful, and abusive things because they are so angry about what they are seeing in this country and in this nation. And unbeknownst to many of them, a lot of the stuff you see online, it's gonna be there forever. You know, people take a screenshot, it affects your job. I had a situation recently, uh, I work at the post office, I had a situation recently where um, there's a lot of political things happening now with the post office and we had a, a coworker, um, say some pretty colorful things about the way things are being run and then they tagged a bunch of people in it and we had this big meeting and essentially in this meeting they let us know as a representative of the post office they call us ambassadors of the mail i think that's a little bit of a lofty title but you know whatever um as ambassadors of the mail you must be careful about uh, voicing your disapproval online because it gives a bad look for the post office Right. I won't go any deeper than that. But but again, it's it's just understanding that, again, people online have just um, they just kind of let loose. And there's so many opinions. There's so many waves of voices pulling us in this direction and, and pulling us in, in, in this other direction. You're like, man, uh, you know, people saying, hey, you're doing too much. And you go, OK, I'll kind of back off and not say too much. Then you had other people saying you're doing too little. We need you to hashtag this and, and, and jump on this. And it's just it's, it's, it's a wave of confusion and anger and rage that I don't feel like in every case is being led by the spirit of God. Many of this, a lot of this is being led by the flesh and vengeance. And we as believers, us Antioch Dallas, us Antioch Detroit, we want to be aware of what we are saying. Because there's a domino effect to the words that come out of our mouth, to the decisions that we make that just don't affect us. But they affect the community around us and they affect those who we are leading. I'm just going to move on a, a little bit here. The, the consequences of, of, of what Moses had did affected Aaron and him in such a way where they, they missed out on the promises of God, right? We kind of see that in, in, in verse uh, 12. It says, but because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not be brought into the promised land with them. So, so the issue was that they didn't honor him in front of his people. And again, when these emotions run high, when, when, when anger is the, the, the captain of our life, what happens often is that we don't make this about God. We kind of make it about us. Anger and pride are like next door neighbors and they usually tend to intertwine. And that's what happens a lot when we see things, we go, I hate the way this is going. I don't like the way this is. We tend to forget the bigger picture, which is this is about the gospel. This is about Jesus and that this world has fallen and, and that we can see victory in, in many areas, but ultimately uh, with, without Jesus' redemptive work in people, nothing's gonna change. 
We can change legislation. We can add more after school programs, which I, I'm totally for legislation change for the better. I, I'm never against after school programs. I used to work in an after school program as a music teacher. So I, I'm not against these things, but these things are to fix the external and what bringing Christ into the conversation, putting him in the driver's seat. This is what's going to change the internal. But I'm getting preaching right now. I'm feeling like a Pentecostal. Let me just keep moving. Let's go to verse, uh, 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 not verse. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 through 27. I think there's some really powerful wisdom in here um, about uh, this, this, this thing of anger and, and what the ability um, it has in, in changing uh, the dynamic of the course of our life. So in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 through 27, verse 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Or for my KJV brothers, it would say, be angry, but sin not, right? It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Let's go back to verse 26 quickly. Um, it says, in your anger, do, uh, do not sin or, or, or be angry, but sin not. It's important for us to know that anger in and of itself is not sinful. Being frustrated being disappointed with the way things are happening in this country. And even for many of us who are in ministry, we're really kind of disappointed in the way we see other believers handling this. And, and just to see them like losing track of putting Jesus first for the sake of other things, as if Jesus doesn't care about what's going on. And these things make us angry. We go, man, I can't trust these people anymore. I, I feel like I'm not connected to people in the body because we're not on the same page. We're not pursuing peace. We're not pursuing unity. And the enemy could get a foothold in there and create division in the church. When we see that the world is divided, we, it often tries to put a strain on the church that needs to be united. And we end up arguing and fighting against one another, looking very similar to those who don't have the redemption that's found in Christ. And that's something that we want to be careful and aware of. But 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 inherently in verse six, we'll be I mean, 26 of Ephesians. We understand being angry is not sinful. It's only when my anger is done in such a way that it's outside of the will of God that I am now acting in disobedience. Emotions aren't bad. God gave us emotions. They, they come from him. And you've heard terms like this person is, you know, emotional. They're a very emotional person. That's fine. That's the way God created us. We are persons. We are people. Uh, we are made in the image of God and, and we feel things and we laugh and, and, and sometimes we get disappointed and, and other times we get angry. But we don't want to let our anger uh, uh, be a calling card for the enemy to start having strongholds or, or, or to start having uh, having property in our life. And, and what happens often is I feel like when, when, when anger is, is leading and guiding us, the Bible says that anger rests in the bosom of fools. When, 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 when anger is at the helm and, and leading and directing our choices, Satan is not far behind. And if we are not careful, we will end up making a decision similar to what we saw with Moses and Aaron with striking this rock, taking the glory of the miracle for themselves and end up uh, facing uh, consequences. Facing consequences that will change our life. Again, anger um, and, and, and in, our, in our emotions, outside of the will of God and uh, will always take us to a place of 
disobedience. Not, it's not wrong to be angry, but just not letting anger um, be our teacher, be our guide. Just kind of moving forward here. Um, the way we respond is, is not just about making ourselves look good, right? I think this is important, but to understand that we have a responsibility as ambassadors for Christ, uh, that people are watching us. They're watching what we do. They're watching the way we respond. And um, there's two types of people, right? You got people who are watching you because they're gleaning from you, learning from you, or maybe just seeing the way you handle things. And then you have another group of people who are watching you unfortunately, just to kind of see you mess up, right? These are the two people most often that are watching us. It doesn't matter what their motives are or what they think when they watch us. They are watching us. And we want to, again, make sure the things that we do are done in a way that would bring glory to God because we reflect that character. We reflect the image of God. And again, we may be the only Christ, if you will, that people will see, um, and we don't want to do anything. This is why it's very difficult, especially, and I can speak on this, a lot of times, um, you know, we live in Detroit. It's a, primor it's a primarily African-American community, and it's a beautiful thing. I love it, and it's a blessing. Um, not that it's better or worse than anywhere else. It's just the demographic of our community. And a lot of things that we see here in Detroit is fatherlessness. And you would be surprised how difficult it is for people to connect with the Father God when they never had a father in their life or the father that they had in their life was abusive. It, 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 it distorts the image of what God is. And that happens a lot in the way that we respond. I, I have to live my life in such a way. We, Antioch Dallas, have to live our life in such a way right? That our good works would be done for the glory of God, that people would see the Father and the way that we do things. The world is watching. They want to see, because here's the thing, we're all going through uh, these, these issues of, of finances, right? We're all dealing with reevaluating. And I just love the way Antioch Dallas, the way you guys have done things and how consistent you've been in the midst of everything that's going on. But all of us in the church and out of the church is raining on everybody. And the world is watching us closer now than ever. There are people in the body who are watching us now closer than ever. And we want to have this mentality, mentality like Job. When, when, when the hardships come, we can look up to heaven and say, God, yet though you slay me, yet will I trust you? Because when people see that, when they see us in these hard times, not responding based on what's happening, but having this kingdom mindset, these kingdom values of loving God, loving each other, living on mission, making Jesus known. Uh, when they see that, it doesn't mean that we're not being sensitive or intentional or aware of the struggles and pain that people are are going through. But when they see us respond in such a way that puts God as the victor, that puts God as uh, the one who's in control, it creates a peace around us. A peace. They go, I know everything's shaking, but there's something about what's happening at Antioch, Dallas. They're not shaking and, and they're going through what I'm going through, but, but they're not being shaken. They're still uh, uh, singing and, and worshiping and lifting God up. I need to be where they are. I need to be and, and, and do what they're doing because everything's falling apart and, and yet they are standing strong. If that's what the power of God can do, I want to be a part of that. I want to be connected to that. That's, that's the power of our response.
Many people have given up on 2020. Uh, we've, we've seen the memes, we've seen posts where people said, I'm done with 2020, I'm looking forward to 2021. Uh, they say 2020 is a lost year and that there's no hope and we should throw this year away and take it as a loss. But thanks be to God that we don't have to rely upon our own strength and our own wisdom to see breakthrough in our nation. Let me go to Proverbs 18.21, last scripture before I close. Proverbs 18.21, it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love it uh, will reap, or those, excuse me, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. As believers, as disciples of Jesus, We've been given authority to speak life or death. And what the general consensus from everything that we see in the news and on social media is anger and death. We are responsible as God's ambassadors to speak life. When everyone wants to throw this year away, I realize that there's still four months left. Four months left, this year is not over. And as disciples of Christ, we must be on mission, living submitted lives to God that we can proclaim the glory of a risen savior. That's that speaking life to a hopeless people in a broken nation that they don't have to look to Washington to find peace. No, but that we can find a peace that surpasses all understanding that can only be found in the person that is Jesus Christ, that there is hope speaking that life in Detroit, speaking that life in Dallas, speaking that life in this nation, that yes, there, 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 there is hope in, in Jesus Christ, the redemption of the finished work of the cross, that though this world may be fading away, me internally, I am growing more and more into the life. There's living waters that are coming out of me that, that, that though I, I am not a result of my environment, I am not... Uh, um, someone who is tethered to um, the, the problems and the chaos that is around me. My source comes from Christ. I feel like a Pentecostal right now. My, my, my connection is, is, to, is to Jesus. That's, that's where my hope is from. It's, it's not in legislation per se. No, no. My help comes from God. That's what my response has to be. Like I said before, it's like Job, it's like, Lord, yet though you slay me, I, I know it's raining. I'm going to trust you. It's like the, the uh, three Hebrew boys who was uh, thrown into the fiery furnace and they said, look, God, we know you can deliver us. But even if you don't, we know you can. 2020 is not a year that we should throw away. Again, we got four months left. And as believers, Antioch, Dallas, we want to squeeze every single miracle, every single breakthrough that we can get out of God. We don't want to throw this year away. We don't want to get rid of it because we have no idea what God has in store for those who are being willing and available to be used by him. And it's those things that people throw away that God God uses the most. It's similar to what happened with Jesus. They tried to throw him away. He was rejected, not knowing that he, the Prince of Peace, he, the King of Glory, was amongst them. It's these things that people don't find much value in that God uses the most. And, and that's what's happened. They say 2020 is dead. It's a loss. And it's in 2020 that as we respond in obedience by saying yes to Christ, that we will see miracles, phenomenal things happen that will give glory to God and to his kingdom for the sake of the gospel.
Every lost soul needs to hear the redemption that can only be found in Jesus. I want to be willing and available to be used by God in these next four months for the glory of the kingdom of God, as I said before, for the sake of the gospel. And I do not want to let my response get in the way of what God is doing. I don't want my pain and my heartache to be a stumbling block from somebody seeing the power of God, from somebody seeing the grace that can only be found in him. God is doing something. He is. He's doing something in Dallas. He's doing something in this country. It's in these dark moments that the light can be shown. And based on the way I respond, I don't want to miss any promised land God has for me. You don't want to miss any promises. You don't want to forfeit anything that God has for you because uh, of, of, of being led by the flesh. Let us be people who are led by the Holy Spirit because our response is going to be a blessing for many. I'm going to pray real fast and then... Yeah, God, thank you so much for what you're doing at Antioch, Dallas. Thank you so much for what you're doing with the team there for Pastor Zach, how you've kept them strong. They've been consistent. They've been faithful. And I thank you that even though there are many voices who would want to uh, pull them from to, to, to this side and, and pull them to that side and and just because of what's happening in November, how, how everything has become so uh, political and there's just so much anger and distress around everything that's going on, I thank you that uh, Antioch Dallas would be a people that see the glass half full and not half empty, that they would be an unshakable ministry, a ministry to be used in these dark times as a lighthouse to lead people to you, God. We bless you and we thank you, oh God. And I just pray that you would help our hearts. You would help us to, to, to know how to forgive, to show mercy and grace, God. Help us to be like you, to be your ambassadors, to live on mission for the sake, Lord God, of your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Antioch Dallas, I love you. I love you. I love you. And thank you so much uh, for allowing me to, to share this. Be blessed.